intention to frighten you out of your wits for this story is probably the most startling tale of horror ever dreamed on this planet and strangely enough it was written by a woman the wife of one of the greatest poets of our language all right 1947 Frankenstein was published in 1818 I think we can move past the utter shock that it was <gasps> written by a woman but I'm glad you reduced her identity to being the wife of one of the greatest poets. Exactly how many of his poems have been made into movies? Hmm? Tonight, you're coming face to face with Frankenstein's monster. If you enjoy feeling your blood pressure rise, your pulse quicken, you'll suddenly enjoy Mary Shelley's ghastly adventure of Dr. Frankenstein. Are all of you ready to have your spines chilled? Then here's the first act of... Frankenstein. I hope he didn't oversell it. He made it out to seem way scarier than it actually is. I know, because I was there. Dude, are you... Ugh, I'm gonna get this wrong. Clairval? Clairval, yes. I'm French. That's a British accent, though. Everyone in this story is going to be vaguely European but speaking in British accents so your American audience can understand what we're saying. I appreciate you dumbing it down for us Americans. And no one seems to care. My first name is Henry. I'm only ever referred to as Claval in this version. Can I call you Val? No. I heard yes. Come on in, Val. Follow me. You can wait in the library. It's got books from floor to ceiling. But none of them lead to a secret passage. Trust me, I tried them all. I'll never get that month back again. Where is Victor? He summoned me here, insisting this was a matter of life or death. Well, you know how melodramatic he can get. He's like a preteen girl whose favorite boy band just broke up. What does he have to complain about? He's got a first and last name. You guys went to college together, right? Yes, at Ingolstadt. We were roommates. Oh my god, roommates. You know that one roommate who takes your stuff without asking, leaves the place a mess all the time, never changes the empty roll of toilet paper? I suppose. That was me. Here, have a seat. I should not have come here. Aw, be nice. Victor's been asking for you for weeks. Madison? Madison? Is he here? Yeah, Victor. Okay, here he comes. Big smiles and no sudden moves. What? My old friend! I didn't think you'd come! You've met Madison? Not formally. This is Madison Standish. She takes care of me. She's from the future. Pardon me? What year was that exactly, Madison? Mm, roughly 2020s. Indeed. 
Tell him how you got here. Freaky deaky science stuff. Freaky deaky science stuff. Oh, I see. Isn't science marvelous, Clerval? You have changed, Victor. Victor. What a mockery my own name is. Victor Frankenstein. I should change it, my friend, to... Uh, <laughs> vanquished. Vanquished Frankenstein. A good name for me, eh, Clerval? Henry is a good name for me. Victor, you want me to get you guys some snacks? Chips and dip, pizza rolls, hot pockets. Oh, Madison, it was not like this when we were at the university. Remember, Clerval? Yes, I remember, Victor. Clerval and I used to play backgammon together. I used to win. I wonder if I could still beat you at backgammon, Clerval. <laughs> I've beaten Madison every game. That's because I thought we were playing checkers. Get the board, will you, Madison? This is insanity, Victor. This is what you called me here for? This is urgent business? A game of backgammon? Don't leave me, Clever. I'm afraid to be alone. You have Madison for company, don't you? She steals from me. It's true. I do. One game of backgammon for old times' sake? The old times have run out, Frankenstein. One game, I beseech you! Come on, Val. If you don't play with him, he's gonna make me read him Percy Shelley's poetry all night. And the poetry of the Romantic movement, while serving to stimulate a serious contemplative reflection over the interaction of humans with their environment, is boring AF. There's a reason I always fell asleep in lit class. <sighs> Get the board. Like old times, eh? When we were young. When we could laugh. Here's the board. Where are the dice? I, uh, had to remove the dice. Joking hazard. Then how do we play? I'll start, Madison. Right. Shooka, shooka, shooka. Roll. What did I get? What did I get? You rolled a three and a one, Victor. Grand start. Just grand. Your turn, Clever. You're just going to sit there and arbitrarily tell us what you rolled with some non-existent dice. Don't worry. We're cutting to a flashback sequence. Flashback sequence? It's a storytelling device. You got a college degree. Keep up. Remember when we played at university? Remember, Clever? <sighs> there! <laughs> Why must I have the luckiest man in the university as a roommate? It's not luck, my friend. It's faith. A conviction, Clerval, that no matter what the odds are against you, you can overcome them. You don't believe in the law of chance and averages? What are you, a math major? Madison, what are you doing here? Well, this is Victor's flashback, and since his brain is a bit jumbled at the moment, he conflated me into his past. And that's how you can recognize me and talk to me in your past. I find this all a bit overwhelming. I've been doing this time travel for a while now. The best thing to do is treat it like a hot dog. Hot dog? Right. Don't think about how it got here. Just throw a little relish on it and dive in. It'll all work out in the end. Law of chance. Open your mind, Clerval. I believe in the law of myself and the power of the human brain. Well, you're high. No kidding. He's so thoroughly baked, he could win the showstopper challenge. No, he's high in the game, so it's still his turn. Take the dice, Victor. Look at them, Clerval. The dice. What do you suppose they're made from? Please don't say ivory. Please don't say ivory. Bone, perhaps. Once these were part of a living being. That sounds very serial killer-y. 
Strange, isn't it? What happens when a creature dies? Man, he's gotta be high. He's doing the whole, where do we go when we die, ramblings. Watch, in ten minutes, he'll want to order a pizza. Well, that's what we're here studying medicine for, Victor. To postpone death as long as possible. Unless the patient's insurance doesn't cover the procedure. I wonder if there's another way, Clairval. I've been reading some of the ancient medical authorities like Albertus Magnus. Ha! <laughs> Which doctors? Was that 1800s European colonial racism or 1900s European colonial racism? <laughs> They're so similar, I always get them confused. Oh, no, no, Clerval! They didn't have our knowledge and our instruments, but they were intelligent men. Combine their ideas with what we know today. What you know today? It's the early 1800s. You do bloodletting and prescribe cocaine. Imagine it. The result may be a new way to defeat death. Come, come, Victor. Are you going to play or not? Of course I'm going to play. Boy, this backgammon game is riveting. You ever thought of making a video and putting it up on YouTube? All of your subscribers would be from retirement homes. As soon as their grandkids showed them how to subscribe. Elizabeth, when did you get here? Now you're Elizabeth? The dude's mind clearly has data limitations. Did you drive up to Ingolstadt with your Aunt Caroline? Oh, sure. Aunt Carrie. Always travel with Aunt Carrie. She, uh, says hi. Elizabeth, darling, it's heavenly to see you again. Whoa-hokey, coming in for a kiss, huh? <laughs> <laughs> when love walks in the door, backgammon flies out the window. Where are you going? Don't leave! It's not my memory. Oh, my darling. How's everyone in Geneva? How's William? Uh, William? That little brother of mine is an absolute charmer. I hope I can be home for his tenth birthday. Oh, William! Right. <laughs> I called him Billy, so... You know, I, I was confused. I'll be graduated by then, but... Elizabeth, I won't be coming home after my graduation. Okay. Don't be upset with me, darling. Oh, I am so... perturbed. We'll have to postpone our wedding a few months longer. Wedding? I didn't realize we were that involved. Does Aunt Carrie know? There's something I must do first. There's something I must do first. place like home. There's no place like what home. What are you talking about? Sorry, already did that episode. Clever. do you know what I did that summer after my graduation? Crappy customer service job? I became a habitué of graveyards. Ah, graveyard shift. Victor, please, I don't want to know. You're my only friend. You must listen. What about Madison? Why can't you tell all of this to her? I'm just the help. I went up into the mountains alone. I had stumbled onto a combining of ancient and modern theories, which I believed and was certain could create a living creature. I had to build it with my own hands, a human form, and imbue life in it! You scientists were so preoccupied with whether you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. It had become an obsession with me. During those months, I Alrighty, Val, I'll sum it up for you. This part is basically the typical the Frankenstein's monster origin story. What is this origin story? 
How Marvel makes more money after it's already exhausted a franchise? Okay, so, imagine a montage of Victor digging up graves for body parts, figuring out which ones he could use, zapping them with electricity and trying to make them twitch. That's barbaric. Oh, it gets better. So when he was attaching all the body parts, he wasn't just sticking a leg on and stitching it to the torso, right? Of course not. He'd have to meticulously attach the arteries, veins, muscle tendons. Exactly! But apparently he's not really good at sewing. Like dudes, you need to take home act too. How did he resolve it? Well, I would have reanimated a full corpse instead of sewing bits and pieces together. But that's me. Victor figured the way around the tiny pieces was to go big or go home. He made the creature over eight feet tall. Good decision, right? I mean, what could possibly go wrong with that? What recklessness. Seriously. Then came the big moment. The work was almost done. The huge unclothed monster lay grotesquely on my work table. I had filled its gigantic frame with blood and planned on the following day to subject it to the electric shocks which would activate its nervous system and make it a living, breathing creature. I sank to my couch exhausted and fell into a deep sleep. This is where it gets pretty lame. I was expecting the big dramatic moment where Dr. Frankenstein yanks on the chains, pulling the lifeless body of the monster to the heavens where it is struck by lightning and he exclaims, 1.21 gigawatts! How's that? Wrong mad scientist. I meant, it's alive! Uh-huh, but that's not what happened. Nope. When I awoke in daylight, I realized that a bolt of lightning during the night could have infused life into the monster even as I had planned it in my controlled experiment. I flung open the laboratory door and discovered the monster was gone! So the monster only came to life because of an accident? Yep, and Frankenstein slept right through it. That's rather deflates his achievement of generating life? Little bit, yeah. For months, Clerval, I searched for the creature. There were a few vague rumors, unconfirmed reports of a hideous shadow roaming the upper mountain valleys, but nothing to go on. I gave up the search and returned to Geneva. Okay, we're going from a monologue about the past into a flashback scene. I'll leave a trail of breadcrumbs so we don't get lost. Elizabeth, darling, I'm sorry to have worried you. I'm all right, my dear, now that I'm with you. I'm Elizabeth again, huh? You're not angry with me, are you, my sweet? No worries. You aren't curious where I've been, low these many months? Out trying to track down the monster you so carelessly created with no thought to the repercussions? I shan't tell you. It's nothing you would understand. I think I just nailed it, but okay. Oh, darling, how soon can we be married? Married? I haven't heard from you in months, and you think you could just show up here and pick up where you left off? If you want to marry me, buddy, you're going to have to earn it. Elizabeth. How do you know I even waited for you all this time, huh? True, marrying you means marrying a doctor, so one for your plus column. But are we completely ignoring the plot line where your parents adopted me when you were five, so we basically grow up as brother and sister? That's sick, dude. Come in. Dr. Frankenstein. I am he. What do you wish, sir? I'm the prefect of police. You're the perfect police? Prefect. It means I am the head of the National Police of France. But you have a British accent. I thought we covered that already. Oh, you're still here, Val? 
For whatever reason, I continue to listen to this story. Please, may I state my business? I have some distressing news. Carry on. I don't wish to drag this out any longer than need be. Jeez, you're cranky. You hungry? Maybe we should order a pizza. Mind news? Well, what is it, sir? Your brother, William, has been killed. My, my brother? He's technically my brother too, right? How did it happen? A- an accident? No, no accident. He was strangled to death. But he's only a child! Ten years old! So tell me, tell me exactly what happened. It was just growing dark, Doctor. The children were playing hide-and-seek together. Little William hid himself in a grove of bushes by the edge of the lake. There was a scream, but when they reached the child, the life had been choked out of him. See, it's that kind of stuff that created helicopter parents. When I was little and played hide-and-go-seek, my mom insisted on hiding with me. We were always found first because she gave us away with her Virginia Slims. Officer, may I borrow a gun from you? Certainly. The cop just gave you his gun? Whoa, talk about white privilege. I will be back, Elizabeth, after I find my brother's murderer. So, uh, you're the head of the French police? Yes. You think that was a good move on your part? You just gave a weapon to a vigilante. Madison, maybe that's not exactly how it happened. Maybe that's just how Victor is remembering it. No, I gave it to him. Alrighty, I better get to the next scene. Since Victor's blinded by grief and now armed, he might start shooting at every guy he finds over six feet tall. Stop. Stop. Who's that? Frankenstein. What, what, what's there? Do you not remember? Get away! Don't touch me! Ah! Sorry, that was me. Elizabeth, what are you doing here? Whoa, dude, that's the creature? Didn't stop to find any pants, I see. Talk about attention to detail. Victor, does that thing work? I will not harm you, Dr. Frankenstein. BTW, how did you find him so fast? Before you said you'd searched for months and couldn't find him. Then, boom, there he is. Man, your flashbacks are convenient for advancing the plot. You murdered my brother! Wow, you just leapt to that conclusion, didn't you? What proof do you even have? Yes, I kill him. Oh, okay, well, there you go. It makes me feel good to kill <laughs> so, we're not going with the sad, brooding Robert De Niro monster who, you know, just wants a friend? I wish to God I'd never created you. But you did create me. Just double-checking. We're definitely dropping all character development for the creature and reducing him to a bloodthirsty, clearly well-endowed monster. Isn't this show only supposed to be 30 minutes long? Yeah, but doesn't that defeat the purpose of Mary Shelley's writing? The theme that people can't see past their differences and when a human is rejected from a sense of community, the isolation will drive them mad? I thought this was supposed to be a scary Halloween monster story. They're all surprised a woman wrote this, and then the dudes adapting it are like, layered character development? We want Hulk smash! (laughs) Sorry, monster. Go back to threatening Victor. I will kill (laughs) 
No! What I created, I can also destroy! Stand back, monster! You've breathed your last breath! Die! Die! Why don't you die? Your little pistol cannot hurt me. Dear Lord in heaven, hear me, I beseech you. How can I destroy this thing before it destroys me? First he plays God by creating life. Now he begs God for help. The balls on this guy. And that guy. Have we scared you yet? <laughs> we'll be back in a moment with the second act of Frankenstein. His Day of the Dead celebrations are two weeks long. He once used a Ouija board to correct its grammar. He once played chess with death. Death suggested they switch to checkers. If he ever mixes an old-fashioned for you, you'll be inspired to write a creepypasta about it. He is Edward October, the best horror narrator you've never heard of. Horror stories don't always have to be scary. The best ones invoke a mood of foreboding and existential dread. Fear is fleeting. I prefer to be haunted. For retro horror of impeccable taste, listen to October Pod AM bi-weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Or watch new videos from October Pod Home Video each month, only on YouTube. Find all of Edward October's links on the World Wide Web at OctoberPodVHS.com. Stay spooky, mes amis. Are you tired of this reality? Us too. How about once a week you take a break and visit a different reality? In Jack Billings Presents Haunted Apartment Complex, we bring you a comedy podcast full of ghosts, werewolves, gentle vampires, and Frankenstein monstrosities made of 72 people stitched together. And somehow, that's not even the strange stuff. A proud member of the Pod Moth Network. Every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. You know. Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein, was the wife of Percy Bysshe Shelley, the British poet. I sometimes wonder what kind of married life they had together. From what I've read, he cheated on her with her stepsister. Can you imagine Percy sitting at his work table one evening, writing, Hail to thee, blithe spirit, while Mary sat quietly at her desk, making monsters with her quill pen, and Percy looking up and saying, Darling, what rhymes with Ozymandias? And his wife replying, Don't interrupt me, dear. I'm in the middle of a graveyard. <laughs> Why not? While Percy was still married to someone else, he started secretly meeting Mary at her mother's gravesite, where they apparently fell in love. So I'm guessing graveyards are a turn-on. Well, now it's time we return to the black foothills of the Jura Mountains, where Dr. Victor Frankenstein is continuing his terrifying story to his friend Clerval. And me, I was there too. Women really don't count in your book, do they? Here is Act Two.
Shuka, 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 roll. Seven. A seven! I rolled a seven, Clevel! Yes, so you did. Lucky number. Back to your tale, Victor. Did this monster, as you call it, have anything to do with what happened to Elizabeth? Wait, what happens to Elizabeth? I'll, I'll tell you, Clevel. I must tell someone. This frightful giant I'd built came to me in the darkness, always in the darkness, and begged me to build another creature like himself, but a woman! Good lord. Oh, crap. The thing was lonely. Nowhere from no one could it receive friendship or affection. What about you? You built him! You couldn't spare a few hours in your day to go for lunch or grab a coffee, something? It demanded that I build another monster, a mate. I refused and it threatened me. It swore a frightful oath. If you will not build me a companion, I will destroy everything you love and I will be with you on your wedding day. What could I do? Elizabeth and I were engaged. Only a few weeks remained before we were to be married. I didn't realize we'd set a date. I thought, for the sake of her safety, that I... I must do what the monster asked. Why didn't you just invite him to the wedding? He could enjoy a nice buffet, dance with some of the bridesmaids, get drunk with Aunt Carrie. So I climbed up to my dismal mountain laboratory where I'd conducted the first experiment. I went into the workroom, and I set about the disgusting labor of creating another giant. A woman. Okay, everybody. Pray for another lightning storm. The task was half done. While the ghoulish torso lay incomplete on my work table, I paused to wonder. Would the fiend keep its promise? Would the monster cease from murder and destruction? Or would I be turning two demons loose upon the world? Two creatures which would breed children as hideous as themselves? Question answered, then. It is fully functional. In a few generations, these monsters, born of my hand, could extinguish civilization on this planet. Perhaps wipe out the entire human race. Dude, maybe you should have gone into something like botany. I have some houseplants you can try and resurrect. I couldn't do this thing. I gathered together the pieces of my half-made creature, and I flung them from the ledge of a high cliff into a nearby lake. You threw random body parts of a bunch of different dead women into a lake? Forget the monster. You're going to have forensic teams thinking they've got some crazy serial killer on the loose. But as I did these things, I, I knew I was being watched. Somewhere in that forest of pine tree shadows, somewhere among the moonless crags, I knew that two eyes were following my every movement. As I packed my few belongings for the trip back home to Geneva, back to my precious Elizabeth, back to the little wedding chapel where we were to be made husband and wife, one terrible memory kept echoing through my mind. I will be with you on your wedding day. Bring a... I'm sorry if I appear troubled, darling. I'm getting used to it. We are married. Do you realize that, dearest? Uh, no. Missed that scene. I hope all of our days together will be as happy as this one has been. Oh, so I had a good time at least? Uh, Light a lamp, dear. Quickly. It's almost dark here. We must have light. You think I have a clue how to light an oil lamp? From the future, remember? Circle back to me when you guys get electricity. Uh, Fine, then I will light it. 
Elizabeth, until the sun rises again, you must not leave my sight. There is great danger, darling. Well, you're going to have to give me at least five minutes. Apparently, I drank a lot of champagne at the reception, because I gotta pee. I must not leave you alone, not for a single instant. Then maybe, instead of putting all of your energy into creating a murderous monster, you should have spent your time inventing indoor plumbing. Elizabeth, don't go, darling. Don't! Blood-curdling scream! Ah! Elizabeth! You knew there was a bloodthirsty monster out there who had made threats against you on your wedding day. Yep. You couldn't hold it? I'm not really Elizabeth. She had to die for the plot, so there you go. Of all the possibilities available, you chose to have her die. On the john, yes. I was improvising. My poor darling Elizabeth, what have I done to you? You must not blame yourself, Dr. Frankenstein. You had nothing to do with this ghastly murder. Your gun was useless, by the way. Then it shouldn't matter that I gave it to him. I am to blame. I created my wife's murderer. What do you mean, Doctor? He created the monster who killed William and then killed me. Uh, Elizabeth. Say, did you even try and find the murderer after William's death? Like, what have you been doing on the case? Anything? Of course. We found a locket belonging to William in the nanny's pocket and hanged her for the murder. Jeez! You hanged an innocent nanny while Victor's monster is still out there slaughtering people? Arrest me! Take me to prison where I belong! Hang on there, Victor. I think the cop here is as culpable as you are. I was going to let him off the hook here. Madison, stop rewriting Victor's memories. I'm just trying to give him some perspective as he's remembering it. I mean, come on! This is where the dude full-on loses it. Hear my confession. I have created a monster. Built it with my own hands. Imbued it with life. But this demon I created has no soul. It devotes itself to one fiendish purpose. To destroy all things that I love and which love me. Sir, send your policemen out in full force to scour the mountainside for this monster. It must be found! It must be found! Doctor, you need rest. Rest and sleep will make you feel better. So this is how Victor came to be locked up in this villa? Yeah, and as you can see, the police didn't believe him. In my memory of the events, Elizabeth made considerably fewer snide comments with her neck snapped. I think you offended him. He totally dropped the ball on this thing. Monster's still out there, is all I'm saying. You poor fools! You think I am mad? You! You are the mad ones! Rattling on about monsters, Frankenstein, I've had enough. Jeez, you're not a very tolerant friend. What's your bedside matter like as a doctor? Lady, stop your whining. You got cancer. Deal with it. Is this tale almost over? Yes. This next transition will bring the story up to modern day. You think you could stand it for five more pages? Do I have a choice? You're like meeting an internet troll in real life. My last throw of the dice, Clerval. I will lose. Even as I had faith in my young days that I would win, now I have faith that I have already lost. Roll the dice, Victor. Let's finish this game. It's a long walk back to the city, and I want to get home whilst there's still moonlight. Yeah, with all of these flashbacks, I've been in overtime for like three hours. Then get on with it. I should get paid extra just for dealing with you. <sighs> shooka, 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 roll. Wait. 
Is it possible? No, 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 it, it, it's, it's not possible. I thought for a moment, Clerval, that the dice had moved in my hand. There are no dice! They're made from bone, these dice. They were once living tissue in a living creature. I've made dead things live again. Victor, this is insane. You should submit yourself to qualified medical care. These unfortunate deaths close to you have warped your brain. Your monster does not exist. Yes, it does. You were in the flashbacks with us. You saw it. And you? I cannot even fathom where to begin with you. You two lunatics deserve each other. Clever! Now get a grip on yourself, man. You never created such a creature. There is no such monster on the face of the earth. You sure about that? Great God! You are a friend of Dr. Frankenstein? No, no! Clerval is no friend of mine! You lie! Oh yeah, Vic and Val go way back. College roommates even. Are you trying to get me killed? What can I do? It's part of the plot. I kill all who are friends of Frankenstein. Get away from him! No, no, no! Get away! Stay back! Stay back! He is dead. Will you destroy everything in my life? Everything. That's what you get for messing with the laws of nature there, Vic. Who this lady knew? Wife. Me? (laughs) No, 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 no. I just work here. You take care of Frankenstein? In a housekeeper-like capacity, yeah. Please, leave her be. I live in solitude. She's the only thing in my life I value. Then she dies. Ow! Way to surf me up on a freaking platter. You'd maybe lose it back, Emin. <coughs> hang on, hang on. Monster, you, uh, seeing anyone? Huh? You got a girlfriend? No, Doctor, not build mate. How about we go out and grab a drink? Madison, what are you doing? I've already seen the goods, and thanks to you, they're quite impressive. It's lunacy! The dude just wants a girlfriend. Get him laid and he'll probably stop killing everybody. Come on, Monster Mash. Let's hit a pub. Am I dressed all right? You've got pants, so it's a start. adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was featured on the show Favorite Story, an anthology series which ran from 1946 to 1949. The format was a celebrity, such as an actor, director, musician, or athlete, would pick their favorite story for the show to adapt. This episode was chosen by comedian Fred Allen. However, years later, many of those involved with the series said the producers would offer the celebrity a short list of stories to choose from, their own true favorites not actually considered. None of the celebrities appeared in the episodes they lent their names to, in order to save the production company money on their salaries. But the trade-off for using their names would be to include a promotion for any upcoming project. The show adapted many prestigious titles focusing on stories already in public domain, also to save money. The ads for the show bragged that the series stood head and shoulders above the finest programs on the air. Hey everybody, it's Madison. Thank you so much for listening. Have you signed up for my newsletter yet? Twice a month, get sneak peeks and not found anywhere else Madison stuff. To sign up, go to my website, madisonontheair.com. And don't forget to follow me on your favorite socials. 
I post daily to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Mastodon. My handle is at Madison on the Air. Okay, now, listen to these credits, you guys, because this cast was amazing. Take it away, announcer dude. Madison on the Air was written and produced by Chrissy Talon Sage with music composition and audio engineering by Jeremy Sage. The role of Madison Standish was played by Chrissy Talon Sage. Jeremy Sage appeared as Victor Frankenstein. Other actors in the cast were Kareem Cronfley as Clerval, Jerry Kokic as the monster, and James C. Taylor as the prefect of police. David Pinion was your host. That's the scary. See, that was scary.